my first daughter was born back in 2009. This is Oleg Stavitsky, a tech entrepreneur. Oleg's daughter was three years old when the first tablets were being released. Oleg bought one for her. The first app he downloaded was a simple program for creating soundscapes made by one of the pioneers of ambient music. Oleg let his daughter try it out. And I just saw her like sitting on the floor and just tapping away. On the screen, Oleg's daughter was looking at abstract shapes in a soft color palette. Each time she tapped on a shape, the app would generate a different tone, like the sound of a gentle bell. She's creating ambient music without even thinking about it because she's just she just loves the visuals. I was like, this is beautiful. And I was like, I, I, I want to build stuff like that. Oleg had a strong background in digital media, but to build out the kind of artistic apps he envisioned, he needed a little help. So he called up some friends. One of them is uh, a contemporary artist. The other one is neoclassical composer. It's almost like a, a, an artistic collective, the six of us. And so, Oleg's team set out to create something that would use the power of ambient music to address a major problem for people everywhere. I would argue that sleep is probably the biggest challenge that we're facing as a society, like the lack of sleep. Oleg knew that sleep deprivation worsens anxiety. The tool that he envisioned would not only help people relax before a good night's rest, it would even help them sharpen their focus during the day. In short... His goal was to help people achieve their desired cognitive state using sound. We obviously started talking to uh, a lot of neuroscientists. And the first thing that they said was like, it has to be personalized. It has to be adaptive. But in order for the science to work, it would need to run on inputs like time of day, weather, your heart rate, your movement, your sex, your age, your chronotype. And these inputs would be fed into an algorithm that composed the perfect soundscapes for every individual listener in real time. A task that is not only way too complex for any human composer, but too complex for apps using traditional tools. So in order to pull it off, they'd need the most cutting edge technology. And I, I vividly remember this conversation because I, I turned back to my founders. And I was like, well, I guess we're building an AI company. To achieve what the neuroscientists were telling them, Oleg's team of artists realized that they had to turn to AI to create truly effective soundscapes. So in 2018, which was still early in the game for the development of adaptive AI technology, Oleg and his founders built Endel, a creator of personalized AI-generated soundscapes that today has more than 2 million users that rely on it to calm and relax them. But Endel's soundscapes are just scratching the surface of the possibilities when it comes to AI and artistic creation. Because the relationship between AI and human creativity is evolving faster than anyone can possibly imagine. I'm Elise Hugh. And I'm Josh Klein. And this is Built for Change, a podcast from Accenture. There's so many different tools out there now that use AI to generate ideas and solutions to problems. We're looking at AI's first true inflection point, where everyone is starting to see the technology's disruptive potential for themselves. Yes, and the great thing is that these tools can free up more time and mental energy for humans to focus on the more creative work. Exactly, and that means businesses can be more productive and efficient, which ultimately leads to better products and services. Plus with AI, businesses can better understand their customers and their needs. 
So Elise, that exchange that you and I just had after we introduced the show, that was written by a generative AI tool. <laughs> Proof that AI can be seamlessly woven into parts of the creative process. Not bad, right? As you can see, AI has become a tool for creativity. It's able to create language, images, and even music compositions. Even ambient music compositions, like the one that Endel creates. I do want to hear what that sounds like, by the way. Don't worry, we will. But first, let's learn more about why AI is such a monumental tool for all kinds of creative output and how businesses can unlock new possibilities by using AI to help people harness their innate creativity. When you create something, you need a medium. And whether that medium is a piece of charcoal, you know, or broadcast, it's, it's all a process of taking something from your head and putting it out in the world. You need technology to do that. This is Nick Law, creative chairman at Accenture Song. He's focused his career on marrying creativity with breakthrough technology. And he says that there are two different ways that businesses can rethink their approach to this relationship. One is to take ex something existing and improve it in execution. Imagine a company that makes pasta sauce, tweaks their recipe, or a clothing brand releases a classic design with a different type of fabric. That's using creativity for improvements that have more to do with technique or production. And then there's the sort of thing that we think about classically as innovation, which is how do you combine things that maybe exist to create something new, which I think is the most powerful version of creativity and maybe the one that applies most directly to growth. Here's an example. For decades, the advertising industry was driven by two different creative teams, one consisting of copywriters who dreamed up the text in the ad, and the other made up of designers and art directors who figured out how to make it stand out visually in a newspaper or magazine. But they were siloed. The, the creative person is a writer sitting in a corner office coming up with ideas, and then they would send that idea downstairs and an art director would sort of color in the idea. But in the late 1950s, the ad industry merged the two groups by putting the copywriters in the same room with the designers and art directors so they could collaborate and work together. The art directors came upstairs, sat with the copywriters, and even to this day, that industry is characterized by creative teams that are art directors and copywriters. The result was stronger, more imaginative ads because the final product was the combined effort of two groups with different skills and perspectives. It's a powerful team. But you think about how media has changed since the late 50s. From magazines and newspapers to television to the internet to social media always at our fingertips, the ad industry has had to adjust to new mediums using an old model of creative collaboration. I'm not saying it isn't still a powerful team. What I'm saying is that thinking about making new things would require us to think about new sorts of teams, new combinations of thinking. One of these new combinations is creative thought from the human mind combined with the immense generative power of machine learning. I think human creativity is, a lot of connections are made intuitively in the subconscious to create new things. Whereas I think historically, at least up until very recently, I think machines are better at sort of um, generating and automating things that exist. But now, with new AI tools that anyone online can easily get their hands on, the technology's moved from beyond just automation to also include creation. The big thing which has supercharged this and, and, and made the, the, the pace of change so dizzying is how simple the interface is. It's as easy as typing a string of text into an AI image generator, waiting a short moment, and then boom, 
A fully realized painting or photograph materializes in a fraction of the time that it would take to put together a photo shoot or render a portrait. You've chopped out that first bit of the workflow, which is the assembling of the thing. You've already got the thing. And from there, it's up to the human creative to improve on it, alter it, build on it. I can experiment so much when I've got 15 versions of my idea in front of me in one second. Suddenly, AI tools are widely available not only to create images, but also language, music, and video. And the business applications are immense. People are using this thing. They're using it at, at, at university, they're using it at work, because it has become so broad and democratic and so easy to use. This could change everything, from designing label brands to making presentations with Hollywood-level special effects, and even helping programmers and developers write parts of their code. The technology is so accessible that anyone willing to embrace it and experiment with the tools available can use it as a powerful part of their creative process. But for companies, that might not be so easy. There's such a democratic access to this technology. It's being pulled by individuals just discovering it. That, that's pulling it along. And so companies are a little bit behind in many cases at this point. Companies have long used AI as a tool to complete repetitive tasks. Using it as a part of their creative process is a different thing entirely. When it comes to this new application, smaller, more agile businesses may have the advantage with experimenting and innovating with the tech. Meanwhile, it takes a lot of time and planning for larger companies to scale up and industrialize the technology. But companies can't afford to waste any time. The pace of change is such that if you don't invest in it now, then you're going to be left behind. And even though artificial intelligence is at the heart of the shift here, it's still up to people to unlock the full potential of the technology. Being big companies, you're dealing with systems. Most creative enterprises right now outside of writing a poem in your bathroom, requires teams. And as we learned earlier, different creative teams have different skills and bring different ideas to the table. But outside of the ad industry, creative teams are often siloed. So the challenge for big enterprises becomes not only putting AI into the hands of their employees, but also giving their people both the freedom to move around and the opportunity to explore its capabilities. It's very difficult to make new things if you've got the same structures and people. Sometimes these, these structures and uh, become articles of faith and you don't think about them. In short, companies may need to be more open than ever to change. But this new era for creative innovation doesn't come without its uncertainties and questions. Take intellectual property, for example. If AI-generated images are blended into the work of a real artist, then who gets to claim authorship? The original artist, the programmer who created the AI system, or the AI itself, and then there's concerns about all the data that's used to train the algorithms that are then creating something new. Data sets are broad and sprawling and, and are going to reflect the biases that exist in the world. Biases about race, class, gender, and more. An AI tool might create image sets based on stereotypes that humans hold about, for example, what people in a certain profession look like. But companies and industries can learn from the recent past. One of the things I think that's, that is magnificent about Silicon Valley and that culture is it's so utopian, it, it will try anything and, and take all sorts of risks. But sometimes that means not looking back, always looking forward. And sometimes you need to look back to learn. <laughs> you need to learn from the past. 
For example, as AI develops, companies can look at mistakes made by big tech and social media companies regarding individual privacy and follow a more measured approach. With a powerful new technology that's evolving this fast, though, that's easier said than done. The excitement around this technology is just palatable every time anyone is exposed to it. And so we want to keep that enthusiasm and that energy around it, but do it in a responsible way. And that's a balancing act. So, Josh, how are you using AI for any creative projects or just for fun? Oh, man, I'm just a, a ton of stuff. Like uh, just earlier today, I was using it to restructure my workout routine. Oh, fun. Just to mix it up more or to make you stronger? Or... Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's certain elements I wanted to emphasize, some things that weren't as important. I wanted, you know, more high intensity interval training, you know, just yeah, yeah mixing it up. What about you? What are you doing with it? For me, you know, I'm a writer in addition to podcasting. So I often, for opinion pieces or essays that I'm writing, I will try and get the AI to give me the opposing argument against what I'm making so that I can actually bolster the point that I'm trying to make. Interesting. God, it's amazing the stuff that this can do. Yeah, yeah. It's mind-blowing and it's developing so quickly as we feed it more data. So it's Mm -hmm. definitely a force to be reckoned with for businesses of all kinds. Right, right. But plenty of companies are already tapping into AI to create and to innovate, you know, Mm -hmm. companies like Endel. So on that note, Elise, here's the moment that we've been waiting for. Let's have a listen to those AI soundscapes that Oleg described to us earlier. Okay, so this strongly reminds me of when I was in middle school and I found a box of cassettes in my aunt's <laughs> attic and it was all these positive affirmations overlaid against an ocean wave that was on loop. <laughs> but does it sound like it was written by AI? Uh, give me a minute for that, Elise. I'm feeling very relaxed now. Well, maybe it's working. Wow, yeah. Well, I'm not doing that again unless I'm not driving in the next hour <laughs> afterwards. We're losing Josh. Endel's app created this soundscape for a user trying to calm their mind and fall asleep. It was made by using inputs like time of day, weather, and the listener's heart rate. I mean, the first thing the technology did, like I can remove the beat, and then it added some, what is called like colored noises. Like it's a combination of pink, brown, and white noise. And then it added some drone sounds. It stretched the vocals. It picked like this kind of melody that is then used to kind of train your brain that now is the time to go to sleep. According to what we've learned by talking to a lot of neuroscientists and people, you know, like sleep scientists, like focus scientists, uh, they've explained to us how we should be working with certain input data, your heart rate when you're trying to concentrate and when you're trying to relax. Like, I mean, it means different things and the sound should react differently depending on whether you're trying to focus or relax, for example. It's no secret that staying on task and minimizing distractions is a big challenge in this day and age. And the same goes for winding down at the end of a long workday. To create the right soundscape for each moment, the team once again relied on science. So we have built this scientific framework and then we started feeding it with different sounds. And initially what the algorithm was doing, it was just like comp- it was just combining these sounds and kind of in real time, kind of splicing them together, kind of overlaying them with post-processing effects. The idea that music can be optimized might be unsettling or alarming. 
Some might see the onset of AI as the end of human art, but there's another way to look at it, as the start of a new era of creativity. The truth is, music has always been about exploration, creating new genres and ways of listening. Just think about how music has evolved over the course of the past century. We went from, you know, live performances to recorded performances to like the, the, the album format, then the single format, then the playlist format, and it kind of stopped there. And I think this adaptive functional soundscapes is a new way to experience music. Endel's soundscapes are adapted from music created by humans, meaning that their algorithms learn from the sounds and patterns in songs already in existence. And at first, Endel's AI was just building soundscapes out of a big library of music stems, or files of each instrument or sound, most of which derived from the ambient genre. But then I was like, but what would happen if we were to invite another music artist and they would create a sound pack and we would feed that into the algorithm? It would still be very much an Endel soundscape, but it will have like a clear flavor, like a DNA of that other artist. So imagine you're a musician who writes a song with a keyboard, synth, maybe some guitar and vocals. Each of those instruments is its own separate stem, meaning it can be isolated and played by itself. So theoretically, you could play just the synth stem or just the vocal stem. So we've approached a lot of artists and the, the, the process was every time they would create a stem pack we would, and those stems were created according to our scientific guidelines. They reached out to a famous electronic musician, asked him what kind of soundscapes he wanted to make, and then gave him an assignment to make a couple of music stems that best represented his unique sound. And then he just started sending us stuff, you know, like some, first like some notes, then some chords, then, then some vocalizations, uh, some pads, you know, when he would just hold like a note. I just remember like when we were on a call and we played him like the first version of the soundscape, he was like, Oh my God, this is, this is what I want to do. This is why I, I became a musician. The lesson here for businesses is that AI holds limitless possibilities for building new ideas from the tools you already have. Because this musician wasn't worried about AI overtaking his musical creation. In fact, he was excited about the potential to use the technology to build on creative ideas that he'd already developed to make something new that he hadn't yet come up with or even considered. The end result was a full album in his signature style, composed by AI to help his fans fall asleep. The, the future of music that I'm imagining is you use technology like ours to create functional soundscape versions of you know, your artist's work. And this is where AI can truly, really shine. So Josh, now that we know so much about the back end of it, what do you think of Endel's soundscapes? I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. It it sounds really professionally produced. You know, I I would not have guessed that an AI had put that together. Not just professionally produced, right? But the data that it's fed is so personalized. Yeah, you know, it's funny. And listening to it, I was thinking about that. I was like, whoever's heartbeat was used for the background of this is really chill. Are there moments where you might need an AI adapted soundscape? 
everyone needs an AI adapted soundscape sometimes, Elise. <laughs> and it doesn't stop at music. We've already learned a bit about text to image AI tools, which pretty much anyone can use. And this technology is helping artists and designers take their work to the next level. So now we'll hear from an AI startup that's harnessing AI to unlock innovation in the visual creative process. You know, when I was doing academic work in AI, it wasn't really quite usable yet. This is Joe Reisinger, CEO and co-founder of Facet AI, an image editor powered by artificial intelligence. But by the time Joe finished his PhD in 2012, AI was still very much a nascent technology, and its applications were pretty much just theoretical. I ultimately decided not to go into academia. The reason for that was I was just really excited about solving problems in the real world. Over the course of just a few years, Joe watched AI technology accelerate in growth into entirely new areas with real-world applications. So in 2017, he decided to start his own small AI company. What my co-founder and I wanted to do was we kind of wanted to build a vehicle that would be able to you know, support all of the different, you know, really amazing technologies that were coming out. For Joe and his co-founder at Facet, the most exciting of these technologies was the potential to use AI to turn ideas into images. More specifically, to help people who are starting with a compelling image and are looking to enhance it and elevate it into art. Visual storytelling is something that we all are engaged in to more or lesser degree. If you post photos of your life on social media or develop presentations, then you're a visual storyteller too. Facet's mission is to make that storytelling richer and more compelling and easier to do. So say you snap a pic, add a filter and some other effects, but you have other ideas around how to make your photos really pop, maybe a high contrast background or an extra layer of texture, editing features that you wouldn't find on a smartphone. That's where Facet comes in. We help really anyone create high quality, high fidelity and photographic quality um, content without, you know, you, you don't need to be a photographer. You don't need to be a ray toucher. You don't need to understand the ins and outs of your editing tool. You don't need to know how to, to draw. Here's how it works. When a photographer or artist opens their image or design and facet, the AI will not only be able to figure out what it's looking at, but also help them generate the right presets to make each image look its best. It understands scenes, it understands lighting, it understands kind of what's going on, the relationship between different objects. Doing the amount of work of editing one image actually teaches Facet to, to edit tens or hundreds of images. So imagine you're working on a marketing campaign and you have to edit a set of photos. You're probably gonna be following some specific visual guidelines and every image you make is gonna to have to fit into that box. Sounds repetitive, right? There's a very little amount of, you know, thinking of a cool idea that you want to execute on. And then there's a whole lot of this rote execution work, just kind of pixel pushing. But with Facet, the AI does pretty much all the pixel pushing based on its own understanding of the content and your preferences as you continue refining. In mere minutes, you can fine tune a whole set of photos. But Facet doesn't have to do all the work. It leaves a lot of room for human creativity too. In the advertising world that you know, a lot of what folks are really trying to do is find exactly the right, you know, image for this person at this this time, right? We're not all the same. We're actually all very, very different. We have different interests. We have different you know, demographic profiles. For example, imagine you're developing an ad campaign for a makeup brand whose products match a wide range of skin tones. 
As a designer, you might be given a bunch of images of models who all have a different color palette, and it would be up to you to make each one look their best. Bassett's AI can certainly help with that, but in this case, human intuition might come into play too. You might have ideas about how to play with color or framing. So we really close the loop on that and just make it super, super easy to, you know, get whatever it is in your head out and, and, and onto the screen. Rather than function as a text-to-image generator like some of the popular varieties that circulate online, Facet has some functions that are more like text-to-image edit. If you have an idea for how to make a collage or design, you can search and make the edit within Facet's AI. It's like having a, like a very smart assistant, right? You, t you talk to them, they process what you say, and then they, they figure out the, the action plan off, off the back of that. Joe doesn't see this technology replacing editors or designers, but rather up-leveling the work that they do. The type of feedback that we get from, from users and from creatives is, you know, this just frees up my time to do the stuff that I actually care about, which is, you know, kind of the high-level conceptual work. And people are already using Facets AI for applications beyond photo and image editing. There are already people today who are using these technologies and developing artistic practices. We're kind of becoming like a one tool in the, in the chain for visual production. A new tool in the centuries-old practice of storytelling. You know, imagine like prior to the invention of, you know, photography, almost impossible for most people to, to tell visual stories, but it's much easier today than it really has been at any point in history. And I think it's going to kind of continue to get easier. I think that that's, that's just really exciting. So what do you think that tools like Facet mean for creative work? Well, it's so interesting because on the one hand, you could say, hey, you know, artists are losing a lot of agency here. But then you look at tools like Facet and you're like, yeah, they're losing some agency in the really boring, tedious stuff. Yeah, I, I like thinking of AI as a tool, just in the way that artists had paintbrushes or they had various materials to work with. AI is just the latest iteration of tools that, that humans can use in order to elevate their art. Yeah, for whatever their art is. Because for businesses, the biggest value is going to come from fine-tuning the AI and using their own data to address their own unique needs. It's going to be really exciting to see how this technology plays into more creative business decisions in the future, but the pace of change now is already pretty breathtaking. Totally. So to learn more about what we covered in today's episode, download the Accenture Foresight app. There you'll find the Life Trends 2023 report, which also talks about new developments in customer experience, plus our perspective, AI for Everyone, which explains how this tech will transform work and reinvent business overall. Thanks to Accenture's Nick Law. And to Oleg Stavitsky and Joe Reisinger for talking to us. Built for Change is a podcast from Accenture. More episodes are coming soon. Follow, subscribe, and if you like what you hear, leave us a review.